0: Good morning, everyone. Uh, I've got a little quiz to start off this morning. Uh, Can you work out which year this is? Um, I've got a few pictures to help you with this. This is Pluto. This is the year that Pluto is downgraded from being a planet to being a dwarf planet. Here's a second clue. Um, Wallace and Gromit, The Curse of the Werewolf, won an Oscar for animation in this year. Mark Ramprakash won Strictly Come Dancing. Leona Lewis won the X Factor. Tony Blair announced that the following year, he would stand down as Prime Minister and leader of the Labour Party. And Facebook, you could sign up to Facebook if you were the, over the age of 13. All this happened in this year. Any ideas from what year this is? 2006. I heard the right answer there. It is indeed 2006. It's amazing, isn't it, how much changes over what is about 13 years now, and particularly when you look at social media. Uh, And the difference that that makes in our society now, so much of uh, what we do we might put on um, Facebook or Twitter or uh, Snapchat or Instagram or one of these things where we we take pictures of what's going on in our lives, we make comments about it. It's like our diary is there for everyone to see, telling people what we have been doing. Uh, And just to give you an idea of scale, Facebook Um, last year in December, said that there were 2.3 billion monthly users. Uh, So it's really uh, an incredible number of people who use social media these days. And one of the things that's happened with that is we're encouraged to interact with it. So you've got the thumbs up sign there, the like button. Uh, And Facebook, indeed, a few years ago, they introduced a number of different emotions so that when somebody makes a comment, you can interact with them by saying you like it, or uh, I think I put on some of the other here, you can love it, Uh, you can laugh with them, you can say wow, you can look sad, you can look angry, you're interacting with people about how you're reacting to the news that they have shared. Uh, And it it just struck me that uh, as we come to this series, what I I want to look at is just imagine that uh, the Facebook was available 2,000 years ago when Jesus was alive, Uh, and some of the stories that he was doing were being reported on Facebook, uh, and people could interact with it. So let's say Jesus heals, Uh, and and what do people do? You get a number of thumbs up, people like it, they love it. They say, wow, because it's amazing. Uh, The scribes and the Pharisees realize that this has taken place on the Sabbath, so they click the angry face because they really aren't happy with what's going on. Um, You know, we're encouraged in social media to react to what's happening. We can say what we like and what we don't like. Uh, And what I wanted to do in this series, and what was striking me, is that actually uh, there's a way of saying, this is what I like, that can be dangerous, to be quite honest, as Christians. This is what I like. This is the way I like things to be done. This is the way I like my faith to be. And what I want to do in this series is just to kind of point out some of those things that might just be warning signs for us to say, actually, can I see any of that in me? In order that we can go and grow beyond that, our verse of the year. For those of you that have been here for much of the year, hopefully it will be familiar to you from Matthew. And uh, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded. That command to go. Uh, and we might see that, we might read that, uh, and, and we'd say, this is what I like, I'm going to give that a sums up. But actually, the reality of what that means for us, and what it means to be a disciple, when it plays out in our everyday lives, there's a danger that we might not be so keen on it, because this is not what I like. So we're looking through some of these things, and we're going to say, uh, today, this is what I like. Convenience. Convenience. This is what I like. I like. Luke chapter 5 and the calling of the first disciples is actually a story of inconvenience. You can look at it through that particular lens and say again and again, we can see inconvenience in this story. Jesus is standing at a lake uh, and he has people crowding around him and he starts teaching and they're listening to him. But because people are crowding around him, he needs just a little bit of space to take a little bit of um, a backward step in order that he can continue preaching, he can continue sharing and teaching with them. And um, so what he does is he asks some fishermen who have left their boats after a night's fishing to clean their nets, he asks if we, they can borrow, if he can borrow their boat. Uh, and he just is able then to step out into the boat and preach from the boat. The, the person whose boat it is, is, uh, is Simon. Uh, Simon who uh, will later on as he follows Jesus be renamed as Peter so I may refer to him in this time as Simon Peter uh, or Simon I will try not to refer to him as Peter to confuse issues but I just warn you ahead of time in case I do but it's Simon Peter who is one and the same he's a disciple um, who will become a really well-known disciple and uh, a founder of the early church So Simon is there, his day-to-day job is fishing, and he's finished fishing for the night. Just to give you an idea of what they do, uh, they probably would have had something like some bell-shaped nets that they would throw over, they would cast over the side, and they had lead weights around the edge. Uh, And so as you throw them out, the the weight of the lead would uh, encourage the net to to droop down, to fall, and then you would pull it together with a, a cord and pull it back to the boat. Uh, And in that net, you would catch, hopefully, fish, but you would also pick up other things like you'd pick up the weeds, seaweed, and maybe various other debris as well. And so an important job at the end of your fishing trip was to clean the net to clean the net, to prepare it for the next time you went fishing. You needed to get rid of all the weeds. You needed to get rid of any debris there was. You needed to check that the net was still in good condition because if it got a hole in it, there's not a lot of point trying to fish uh, and pulling it together where all the fish can escape from your net. So what they're doing at the end of the day is an important part of their job. But you can imagine, if you remember, or have had recently, a hard day at work. Uh, And actually what you're really longing to do is to go home and put your feet up. You've just got one thing left to do, just clean your nets, and then you're away, and you can go and rest. Put your feet up, And after a night's fishing, do whatever the uh, ancient equivalent was of watching the rugby or whatever they might have been doing that particular morning. So, in that moment, just as you're finishing tidying up, Jesus says, Can I borrow your boat? Uh, And it's a moment of inconvenience because actually, you might have been looking forward to going and finishing your day and putting your feet up. Uh, so Jesus, you say yes, and Jesus does some teaching, and then he comes to the end of the teaching, uh, and he's finished it, uh, and you might be thinking, great, now I can just pull the boat up, I can finish off the nets, and I can go back home. But Jesus says, instead, pull out into deep water, oh, this is going to take longer, and, um, and let down your nets for a catch. That means the work that you've been doing in cleaning the net is wasted. It's all very inconvenient, really, isn't it? Uh, and then, uh, as if that's not enough, they go out and they do, uh, they do follow Jesus. They throw their nets out and they have this amazing catch of fish. Uh, and wow, that's, that, that's an amazing moment. And P, Simon Peter feels like he's really not uh, worthy to be around Jesus. And Jesus says in verse 10, don't be afraid, from now on you'll catch men. In other words, I'm going to change your job right now. That wasn't on Simon Peter's agenda at all. You see how inconvenient this is? You've gone from, you know what life is all about, what the day brings. You've gone from being a fisherman to suddenly um, you're having to have a late night or a a late time at work. You're staying later than you expected. And now there's a new call on your life, which means you've got to give up fishing completely and follow Jesus. I'm telling it a little bit tongue-in-cheek, really. But the point that I want to make is this, that actually faith is not always convenient. Uh, and the challenge for us is this. Uh, I don't know what you're like, but I say I would have to say I quite like convenience. I quite like convenience. Uh, and I think we live in a society where we like convenience. I mean, look at the fact. We, we, we invented microwaves because actually to prepare cooking, we can have ready meals or convenience meals, as they're sometimes called. I was looking at some of the inventions that have been made over recent times. Here are some of them. Did you know that highlighters, somebody's made a highlighter with a see-through part? Um, Because actually, it's a little bit inconvenient when you're trying to underline something if you can't actually read what's underneath because you don't know where to stop. So somebody's invented a see-through highlighter. Here's another one. It looks like a knife, just an ordinary butter knife. This is a heated butter knife. Because, it, you know, sometimes spreading butter is really difficult. And so actually it's much more convenient to have a, a knife that spreads much more easily because it's heated. And this is my favorite one, a washing machine. And I don't know if you can quite see where, from where you are, but um, right near the top there is an extra compartment. And this has been invented because it's recognized that sometimes when you have put your washing in and you set it to go, you discover you've missed putting something in. How many of us has dropped a sock at one time or another? (laughs) Uh, And so what you need is with this invention, for our convenience, you can go and there's a little compartment that you can still stick your sock back through. Isn't that great? We like our convenience. I like convenience. Uh, And that's fine. That's absolutely fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But there are times I wonder, can we say, I like my faith? to be convenient. It's not that we'd actually use those words ever, but it's the way we live out our faith. I, I want my faith to fit in through the things that I'm already doing. So I want my faith to fit around the work that I do. I, I want my faith to fit around my family life. I want my faith to fit around the leisure activities that I have, the things that I like doing. I, I want my faith to fit around everything that I've got going on in life. Uh, and I'm not trying to make you feel guilty here, because all of us, um, this is just a part of faith, we all have responsibilities, we all have times when we're under pressure for time, and those things. I'm not talking about that, I know that. But what I'm talking about is, as our general life trend, the way that we live, is it can be easy to try and fit our faith around all the other things that we do. Uh, and just as I was preparing this, and uh, one of the things that I was looking at and thinking and reflecting on this week as I was doing it, what is the evidence in life? What's the evidence in my life as to whether I like my faith to be convenient and I'm fitting my faith in around other things? And what evidence is there that my faith is central and everything else fits in around that? Because to be honest, what I like at times is just convenience and my faith fitting in around the other things that I do. But the call to discipleship, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, is about making this a way of life, because Jesus is right at the center. Jesus is right at the heart of who we are. Uh, And we know that. Uh, And if we see something, we'd probably put, uh, if that was on Facebook, we'd probably put a thumbs up for it. But what does it actually mean in our day-to-day lives? Do we actually Respond to the inconvenience that can come along with that. This is a story of inconvenience, but a story that calls for total commitment because at the end of it, in verse 11, we read this, the response of Simon Peter and of James and John, uh, and some say Andrew was there as well. They pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. That is not convenient, but it is the call of discipleship. I am willing to go and follow wherever you may lead. So what I want to do this morning, just in a a few minutes that we've got in this time, is to suggest some things from this story that perhaps we can take away and apply to our own lives to help us think that really um, my faith is what is at the center of my life, and I'm not trying to live just with faith as convenient in my life. So let me just pick out uh, three things this morning. The first is this, say yes to the small things. Say yes to the small things. Notice there's an escalation in this story. It simply starts with this. Simon Peter is cleaning his net, and Jesus says, Can I borrow your boat? Got something here that he can give to Jesus. He can serve Jesus by offering the boat that he has. It's very simple. It's not a huge thing. I mean, he could continue cleaning his net while Jesus borrows the boat. It's not a huge thing. But it starts with the little things. Say yes to the small things. I wonder if Jesus is ever calling you, is ever calling me during the week to do something that is just slightly inconvenient, but actually is easy enough for us to do. It might take us out of the routine, it might take us away from the diary of what we were expecting to do, but actually there is something that we can interrupt our lives with uh, that we can offer to serve Jesus. Nikki, let me just give one example, was asking for some extra help with the light party. Maybe some of us can interrupt our day and our plans with what we thought we were going to do there and say, actually, maybe I could help. Maybe I've got a bit of time. You know, it won't be for everyone, and that, that's absolutely fine, but there may be some people here who could do that. There may be very simple things where we can just open ourselves up. Maybe it, it's a neighbor who's, who's not so well, Uh, and we can just say, well, I'm going to make the effort to go around and not just assume they'll be fine, but ask, is there anything I can do? I'm interrupting my natural way of being and what I had got planned in order to offer it to Jesus. It starts with something as small as that. But it changes faith from fitting in with what I like to saying my faith is at the center of who I am. And it's going to make a difference to the way that I live, even when sometimes it's a little bit inconvenient. Maybe we can keep our eyes open, and I'm challenging myself in this, keep my eyes open to say yes to the small things that I can do, that I'm very tempted to say no to, because to be quite honest, it's a bit inconvenient. Maybe there are some things, some small things we can say yes to. Second thing that I want to say is that actually there's something about trusting even when it doesn't make sense. I'm not a great fisherman. I don't know how many of you fish here. I know one or two of you do at least. Um, But my experience of fishing is um, I go there and I sit around for a long time and nothing much happens. Uh, I quite like a cartoon that I saw of what it would be like to go fishing with Moses. (laughs) To be honest that chap is exactly my experience of fishing. There's nothing there to be caught. And and actually, that's what happens for um, Simon Peter and the others who've gone out. They've been out all night trying to catch fish, and what have they caught? Absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. And so they're tired by this stage. It's hard work. And they come in, and they're just preparing to go home, and Jesus asks them not only to have borrowed the boat, but when he's finished speaking, he says, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. This is very inconvenient, as I said earlier on, because this is kind of undoing all the things that you've been doing before. But it's more than that as well. You know, Jesus is a carpenter by trade, and they are fishermen. Have you ever experienced that moment when you're doing something, a job that you know really well and somebody else who's got absolutely no experience of it comes along and tells you how to do your job? Uh, that's worth an angry face on Facebook when someone does that because it's frustrating. They don't know what it's all about. They don't know what to do. And they're telling you, oh, why don't you do this? And you've, you've tried it already. You know all about it and you know why it won't work. You know why they go out at night to fish? Because that's when you catch fish. You don't catch them during the day. And so here Jesus is saying, go out. Let's push out into deep water. And I'm a carpenter, uh, and I'm going to ask you, throw your nets down. And they know full well this makes no sense whatsoever. It just doesn't work. You don't catch fish at this time. And yet, the response is, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything but because you say so, I will let down the nets. See, this isn't the first time that Simon has come across uh, Jesus. In the previous chapter, we read how Jesus has healed Simon's mother-in-law who was suffering from a high fever. So he's experienced that Jesus can do amazing things And he's willing to put his trust in Jesus, even though in his human understanding of it, it makes no sense whatsoever. Uh, And actually, this is where our liking for convenience can be, I don't want to put myself out for something that doesn't make sense to me. You know, okay, I might be willing to put myself out for something when I get it, But when it's inconvenient and it doesn't make any sense, why am I going to do it? Why bother? And it just struck me as I was preparing this, I wonder if there are times for us when we need to trust in what Jesus is doing, even though it doesn't make sense to us right at this moment. And it can happen in a number of different ways. Maybe it happens financially. Financially, this is going to cost me in serving God in this way, Uh, and I look at my finances right now, and it doesn't make sense to do this. But Jesus is saying, "Do it." I'll do it. It doesn't make sense to me because He will provide if He's calling us to do that. Uh, Maybe we've tried something before. Uh, This is a classic for Christians. You know, we tried something before; it didn't work. I'm not going to try it again. I've been out all night fishing. It's not worked. I'm not going to try it again. And yet Jesus is saying at this moment, do it. And maybe there are some of us here who if we look at what's going in our lives would say, actually, I just had this this feeling that maybe I'm being called to do something, maybe I'm being asked to do something, but it just doesn't make sense to me, so I've not been doing it, but perhaps... Perhaps today, through this time, through reading this story, through recognizing that faith isn't just about what's convenient, it takes us into inconvenient places, and inconvenient places are places that don't always make sense to us, humanly speaking, but it's where Jesus wants us to be. Is there anyone here for whom that might be relevant today, that you're being taken into a place where you're going to have to step out and trust, even though? It doesn't make sense to you, even though it would be more convenient not to take that step. Trusting even when it doesn't make sense. The third thing that I want to talk about is choosing your go. Choosing your go. Said already, our verse of the year talks about go and make disciples of all nations. Simon Peter's response here to the catch of fish is this, he falls at Jesus' knees and says, go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. You know, it's almost like in this moment, he is overwhelmed with his inadequacy. He's overwhelmed by his sense of failure at who he is. He's overwhelmed by who Jesus is and how amazing he is. So he says, oh, go away from me, Lord. Uh, of course, we realize in the story, it doesn't stay like that because he leaves everything to follow Jesus. But there is this moment where his response is, go away. It's too much. I cannot cope. I'm completely inadequate. I think there are a number of reasons why we can give a response of of just go away. And it's almost like we want to push Jesus a little bit away from us and keep him at arm's length. It may be because we are overwhelmed by our own sense of failure, our own sense of wrongdoing, the way that we have messed things up. I'm not good enough, Jesus. I'm just going to keep you at arm's length. But there can be other reasons for doing that as well. It could be the reason that actually the cost just seems too great for me at the minute. Jesus, I want you to just go and and keep a safe distance from me. I want to keep you at an arm's length. The cost seems too high. It's too inconvenient. It doesn't fit in with my plans. It isn't all about what I thought was going to happen. Uh, and so I, I think what we can do is we can almost, as I say, the, there's this idea of we can keep Jesus at arm's length. Uh, and one of the things that I was prepar- as I was preparing this, I just wanted to say to people there may be some people here who actually, if you really examine your heart, would have to say, I know. I'm just kind of, I'm not letting Jesus in completely. I've I've come so far, but no further. I'm keeping Jesus just at arm's length. You see, the call to go and make disciples, the call that the disciples here are going to respond to is to leave everything, pack up everything, and go and follow him completely and wholeheartedly. That's one go. The other go is to say, well, I'll let Jesus come in and be so close to me. I will let him, um, faith, be a part of my life, but it's going to fit around everything else I do. We're kind of keeping Jesus at arm's length. And maybe, maybe for some of us, that call today is to recognize that we're keeping Jesus at arm's length. And he doesn't want to be at arm's length. And what he says to Peter, to Simon Peter, I believe he would say to us as well. He says to Simon Peter, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid at being close to me. Today, don't be afraid at letting Jesus in and letting him close to you. You don't need to keep him at at arm's length. In fact, I'm confident that you would be able to turn around later and say it's the best decision I've ever made to allow Jesus in and close to me. I recognize that before, I'd gone so far, but I was just holding him away a little. I thought it might be too difficult, too costly, too hard, too inconvenient, but actually, it's the best decision I've ever made. Because I don't know, as I've reflected, there may be times when I'm holding Jesus at arm's length and I want to challenge myself on those because I want to be as close as possible. I don't want to be in that place where I say that's too inconvenient or to make decisions because it just doesn't make sense to me. I want to be in that place where I'll say yes. Just as Simon Peter Just as James and John said yes, left everything and followed him. I just want to finish with a picture. This is a picture. I came across this a couple of years ago now. It was, um, they're all bees. Um, And uh, the picture was taken because they were swarming around this car. It was estimated, actually, that there were around 20,000 bees around that particular car and it followed it for two days. They discovered, because the driver just kept driving around with the bees all following the car, they, they discovered that the queen bee had got stuck in the boot. And all the other bees followed. doesn't make sense for a bee to follow a car unless you're following your leader. And actually for us, our call is to follow Jesus wherever he goes may not be convenient. It may feel like it's inconvenient at times. It may feel like we have to really trust where it doesn't make sense from a human perspective. It may be starting with just saying yes to the little things, but it certainly happens when we say, I will go and follow wherever you lead. May God help each and every one of us to be people You say, yes, I'll go. This is what I like, to follow Jesus with all of my heart. May that be our response. Not, this is what I like, convenience. I'll fit my faith in where I can. This is what I like, to follow Jesus with all my heart. Amen.